This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, faced with the question... Where did they go next with this podcast? The guys were recently joined by legendary musical genius Bruce Dickerson, who's agreed to be the new producer of the Stack and Benjamin show. They were all excited to meet him. Hey, fellas, I'm Bruce Dickerson. Yes, the Bruce Dickerson. You have a dynamite sound, fantastic sound. I have only one suggestion more cowbell. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, let's uh, hey, let's take a look at this weird holiday calendar Joe's mom bought me. Uh, oh, what do we have here? Really? Today's National Love Your Feet Day? Now here's a holiday that's getting us somewhere time for us to step up our game because here sharing her dad's brilliant tactics on money and life we welcome the woman behind millennial guru Paige Cornetta. in our headline segment we'll lace up a story about how washington's latest law can help you fight higher energy bills plus we'll throw out the haven lifeline to rachel who's wondering when's the right time to walk out on an investment Probably when you find that investment in a car with somebody else at Sonic, Rachel, but let's see what the guys have to say. Anyway, I'm also going to race you to the answer of my shoe-themed trivia. And now, two guys will help you fight those odors in your money game, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. And a happy Wednesday to you, stackers. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And what a show we have for you today. I've been so excited about uh, talking to this woman. And actually, oh gee, this is a great episode for you because you've got some kids going back to school. How about if we give kids a little money school today? Just told my daughter, as a matter of fact, that uh, we are going to party the fact that uh, all the kids are in school now. So it's all we do when they're in school. 
Mom and dad have parties. That's what they think. And that's what I'm going to go with. That's <laughs> what so you told your daughter. The second you leave, it's a fiesta yeah. at the OG household. Yeah. Pool party. She's walking out the front door and there's ponies walking in. <laughs> that would be epic. <laughs> like, like the big tent guy. Like, where do you want this, sir? Get in the back. Beep, Cotton candy beep. machines getting fired up. But dad. It's going to be a great day here. We're talking financial literacy. We're actually, what I love about Paige Cornett is, you know, a lot of uh, gurus have tips to teach people about money, but Paige really is talking much more about that, about a framework for living your life and about financial intentionality, which is great. Before that, new bill made its way through Congress last week. So we're going to talk about maybe some moolah that you can put in your pocket as a result. But even before that, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. All right, let's get moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, as we record this, the... Inflation Reduction Act has not been signed into law. However, everybody else thinks this thing is going through. So the time to dive into it is now. Let's talk about one area. This is uh, from MarketWatch, Rachel Koning-Beals, how the Inflation Reduction Act's rebates and tax credits for heat pumps and solar can lower your energy bill. You know, it's not a great time to buy a car. We've been talking about that. Maybe it's a good time to do upgrades on your house because some of these tax rebates that had gone bye-bye are coming back. There's also some uh, tax incentives in this thing. And once again, we're recording this before it's law, so there may be last-minute changes. However, if you're in the middle of uh, Constructionville right now, maybe hold off a week or two before buying that new stove or the, the heat pump or whatever it is that you're purchasing. The legislation provides 
for $9 billion in total energy rebates, including $4.28 billion with a B high efficiency electric home rebate program, which returns a rebate of up to $8,000 to install heat pumps that can both heat and cool homes and a rebate up to $1,750 for a heat pump water heater. Uh, homeowners might also qualify for up to $840 to offset the cost of a heat pump clothes dryer or an electric stove, such as a high efficiency induction range. These are some, these are some big numbers they're throwing around OG, but these uh, also these upgrades to your house, they ain't cheap. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what induction ranges cost today. They're pretty cool, right? You can you like literally put your pot on and boom, it's boiling water type deal. It's super fast. But last I looked, it was pretty pricey. And and I don't think you said, Hey, you might want to hold off a little bit. I don't think these, these uh, credits take effect till 2023. Nope. So a you bunch might of the, nope. N- nope. Actually in the rule right now, the way it is, they're 2022. Uh, but once again, yeah, something I read from NPR said that most, most of it doesn't take effect until 23. So, but that's a good point. We don't know what the final thing's going to say, like you said earlier. And, uh, you know, if you're kind of on the fence with some of these things, and you're about to write a check, it might make sense to drag your feet just a little bit and wait for the final dust to settle. For a lot of these upgrades, OG, many homes will need their electric panels upgraded before getting new appliances. The program offers up to $4,000 rebate toward that initial step. I think there's some math you have to do here, right? I mean, there really is some math, the cost of putting the things in and what the what the expected savings is going to be. Because the problem that I have with some of the math. And by the way, anytime that I can be more efficient, I definitely want to do that. I love this. Like the whole house of the future thing really gets me excited, but quotes like this one do not get me excited. This is a quote from Jamal Lewis from the organization rewiring America says a household with an efficient electric heat pump for space heating and cooling a heat pump, water heater, one electric vehicle and solar panels would save $1,800 a year. And by the way, when Jamal explains this savings, Jamal says these savings will be reflected in lower monthly energy bills. Okay. Reduced bill volatility. Not sure how you quantify that and a lessening of disproportionately high energy burdens within disadvantaged communities. Okay. Importantly, these savings add up so much so that if a household invests their energy bill savings from electrifying their home appliances, these savings will grow to over $30,000 after 10 years and $140,000 after 25 years, assuming an 8% annual return. So they did the magic that a lot of people do, which is that they assume that people are finally going to do what people never do. Like when they buy term and invest the difference, right? Don't get me wrong. Buying term life insurance is the thing, but nobody on earth invests the difference. Nobody does. Same thing here, OG. I mean, we've got some, we got some kind of fuzzy math. Well, and that's for all the good things that might come out of this. I think the hard part is recognizing that it's still spending money. It's like when you're Christmas shopping, you know, or gift shopping for somebody's birthday. And it's like, you know, well, this thing's 25% off. So it's a good deal. It's like, no, it's still 70%, 75% on. Still have to write a check. You know, right. it's like, this is still money leaving your bank account. And uh, I don't know what the new construction costs look like versus kind of rehabbing construction costs, but we've looked at the solar stuff. We live in Texas. We get I mean, 65 days of sun in a row in a hundred degree temperature. So we had lots of sun. I couldn't make the math work on solar stuff at our house. It was like, yeah, the break evens in 25 years. I've got two neighbors that did math on the solar and they have solar. 
And number one, absolutely love it. But number two, the crossover point came way before because of the tax rebates. And I'll get to solar in a second because of the tax rebates, they actually had a crossover point that came, oh, gee, way quicker than they thought it was going to. Oh, well, see, there you go. That's why it's important to kind of look at uh, look at each piece of it. But but I, I don't think that you want to go out hunting for ways to spend money, right? Yeah. Like, oh, there's a rebate on a new car. Let me go find a new car to buy. It's like, well, do you need a new car? You know, don't don't go spend 50 grand so you can save five and really end up spending 45. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to spend 45 if you don't need to spend 45. I think, though, if that crossover point happens at a decent time and you have the money to do the upgrade and you think you need the upgrade anyway, I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't make it after this, by the way. Here's here's some other ones. Uh, There's smaller actions in this plan, a rebate of up to sixteen hundred dollars to insulate and seal a house a rebate of up to 2500 for improvements to electrical wiring. This house that we just moved into, I was standing in an outside attached utility closet, but it's accessible from the outside, not the inside. And man, was it air conditioned. <laughs> this utility closet that does not need to be air conditioned is so air conditioned. I remember doing this on my old house, doing some ceiling because we had tons of windows and the insulation was absolutely horrible. And my God, even without any rebates, just the amount of money I saved by putting in proper insulation in my house and sealing these windows better was a fantastic, fantastic savings. To qualify, household income can't exceed 150% of the area median income. If you don't qualify, though, it provides for a tax credit of up to $2,000 to install heat pumps and installing an induction stove or new windows and doors, for example, qualifies for tax credits up to $1,200. It goes into what heat pumps are. You guys familiar with heat pumps? Yeah. I think a lot of people are not. Electric heat pumps, which replace a furnace, uh, for instance, energy efficient because they don't create heat by burning fuels, but rather move it during heating season from cold outdoors to warm indoors. Downsides can include upfront costs, cha-ching, that's what we've been talking about, and their suitability for all reasons, in, in super cold places uh, especially. The uh, analysis finds electric heat pumps with an alternative fuel backup for frigid periods. Uh, you have to have an alternative fuel backup on top of that to really make it work, it said. Yeah, when we were looking at at that, as a possibility, two different HVAC consultants said, yeah, heat pumps do not work where you are near as well as they do, you know, four or 500 miles south here. In Northern Michigan. Right, right. Uh, The legislation revives. Let's talk about solar. Let's talk about solar. Yeah, I don't, I mean, before we dive into this, guys, I'm, we've been, we've been hearing about solar for a long time. I, I still don't fully believe in it, but I'm starting to warm up to the idea. I, I mean, I guess as a country, we need to start investing more in solar, but it's not going to happen overnight. Just going to keep them running. You just want to let the crickets roll gonna, the whole time. Just because I got keep, a million of these. Just going to keep going. But I mean, solar panel technology is really hot right now. Oh, there we go. Yeah. The legislation revives the 30% tax credit for installing residential solar panels and extends the program until December 31st, 2034. Home battery storage also qualifies. And like we talked about earlier, your cost may vary depending on where you are. Costs have definitely been coming down a ton. This piece talks about, I think there's a lot of people who think that uh, solar panel technology is way more expensive than it is. Still is not, is not cheap. And by the way, 
heating and cooling provisions are in addition to tax credits for up to $7,500 to the purchase of a new electric vehicle. Doug, you can get that new electric El Camino that you're looking for. Don't tease me. There's no way that exists. If you're a lower middle income family and you want to buy a used electric car, $4,000 for people. We'll link to this. We'll also link to by the time the show comes out, this will, uh, there's no way this isn't going to be a law. It might be changed a little bit, but we will link to much more current stuff. And of course, which is weird to say when we're recording this just a few days before it comes out, much more current, but things are moving quickly. And we wanted to get this to you that, uh, man, if you're thinking about doing home renovations, this is a time to maybe wait and see because there's a bunch, bunch, bunch of money that's at stake here. I know that there's lots of people out there that uh, that get excited about uh, doing their part, maybe making some more environmentally friendly decisions. And uh, Lewis Black, I think, though, has the best, the best, um, well, the best thing that we can actually do to uh, to do our part. Let's listen in. This is a he's reading on stage a letter from a fan. This is not something I can do, and this is why I don't do it. Like many other Americans, my family and I are doing our best to minimize our carbon footprint. We installed solar panels, brought electric cars. Yes, we're those annoying people who bring our own metal straws to Starbucks. (laughs) Wow. It's little stuff, but it feels good to do our part for the planet. But then, Lewis, my world is totally rocked every month when I make a run to CVS for my family's toiletry. You know, CVS, the drugstores. Yes, yes, we have them in New York. Everything's fine until I check out. As I'm sliding my credit card through the machine, my blood pressure starts to rise, and dread overtakes me. Because every single time, whether I brought one item or 20, the cashier hands me a 54-inch receipt. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, Lewis. The receipt is 54 inches long. A parade of CBS coupons. Son of a I can't even f-ing believe this. It's truly appalling. Some corporate bonehead apparently thought this was a good idea. It's like my entire month of conservation is undone by that one purchase. <laughs> I've, I've probably decimated a forest to floss our teeth. <laughs> I think that every time I go to CVS, I'm like, really? Really? Sir, would you like your receipt? No, thank you. I don't need any kindling today. <laughs> <laughs> he ends that by saying that uh, the best thing we can do for the planet is to fire the dude at CVS that thought this was a good idea. <laughs> He's like, even Wells Fargo, which is one of the worst banks on earth, still emails me my receipt when I make a transaction, but not CVS. I I thought you were going to play his solution to the ozone, the hole in the ozone layer, which is an old bit of his where he's like, we got, we got rockets. We got duct tape. Get up there and fix it. (laughs) There it is. Uh, We'll link to that as well. And uh, much more in our show notes and of course much much more all the details by the way of course in our 201 where we do deep dives on the topics we talk about here on the show coming up next uh, Paige Cornette works with organizations to better better work with younger consumers and uh, she has a great brand called Millennial Guru she's from Grand Rapids Michigan just north of my hometown of Kalamazoo and more than any of this she had this upbringing from a dad that really wanted to teach his kids, not just about financial literacy, but about 
kind of a platform way of thinking about life. And whether you're a parent or not, I think bringing other people along is a good idea uh, by helping them, by teaching them about money. But um, you're about to hear, I think, a great story from Paige Cornette. But before we get there, Doug's running to the microphone. I'm trying to do some feet things. Yes. Uh, you got some trivia. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Well, on today's holiday, we're, we're being nice to feet. So I wrote a foot haiku to celebrate. I love my feet so. They take me wherever I need to go, go, go. Okay, maybe we run away from the haiku thing, but let's, let's sprint into your trivia, shall we? Think feet, you think Nike. And when athletes think Nike, they think big, huge contracts. So here's a question. Who signed the biggest Nike contract of all time? I'll be back with the answer right after I write a terse email asking why Nike forgot about me. Just do it, Nike. Come on. Stackers, you've heard the bad news. Mint is shutting down. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, well, there is some good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money, it's what Cheryl and I use to manage our money. I, as you know, advocate a weekly meeting, and Cheryl and I live by that weekly meeting. We sometimes miss it, but we get back on the horse and half the reason is, is because we consistently get updates and reminders from uh, Monarch money. I'm a notifications off kind of guy, but with Monarch, I want to see the notifications because it helps us collaborate. We have our goals right next to the short-term spending that we have when we open up the app so we can see exactly what we're truly going for. And, you know, compare that thing in the moment that we want with what's the long-term goal. It's truly the next generation of personal finance apps. If you've been frustrated that there's ads all over your app or it's difficult to use or doesn't get updated, the Monarch people were too. And that is why they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, your investments, your transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you head to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. You're going to get to kick the tires for 30 days, which I absolutely love because you want to make sure that it's for you. And I think the longer you use it, the more you will see like I did, that uh, it's intuitive, number one. It has this very simple design that makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. It's easy to collaborate. Uh, Cheryl has her login. I have mine. We can set up how we want. And you can send it to your financial advisor as well to have them have a login, anybody who's on your team. And you know what? No extra fee for that, which is amazing. It's all customizable, customer-focused, ad-free privacy you can trust. They'll never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. So after trying out Monarch for myself, I get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, you can try too with an extended 30-day free trial. All you have to do is go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union will let you experience more from everyday commutes to your next big vacation the flagship credit card earns you three times the points on travel. So when you're paying your credit card off in full every month, 
and you're ready to grab the points, you can get rewarded for whatever and wherever you're headed next. Plus, this premium travel card is a low annual fee of $49 and two times the points on all purchases outside of travel, meaning the rewards don't have to end even when the vacation does. And speaking of rewards, what would be more rewarding than trying to make this car process? Man, if you got to buy a new car now or even a used car, times are tough. Well, let's tell you about something easy. You can get a Navy Federal auto loan and reward yourself with a smoother experience with your new car. Applying's easy. You can do it on their mobile app, online, or by phone, and it's so fast. You can get a decision in seconds. Navy Federal's great rates on auto loans, plus with their car buying service powered by True Car, you can shop, compare, and bring that price down. You get upfront pricing on your next newer used car. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. Flagship rates are variable and range between 10.74% and 18% APR. Based on creditworthiness, ATM fees for cash advances are up to 1% at non-Navy Federal ATMs. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Message and data rates may apply. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information and to apply. Hey there, stackers. I'm foot lover and Joe's mom's favorite kicking boy, Doug. No word from Nike. Are they running away from their biggest foot-themed star yet? Speaking of feet, you know what they say, big feet, big contract. In this case, anyway, some pretty tall people at the top of Nike's list of celebrities they pay tons of Benjamins to. According to TheRichest.com, while golfers Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods do just fine at numbers five and four on the list, and soccer is represented with number two Cristiano Ronaldo, it's basketball that cleans up with Kobe at number six, LeBron at a surprisingly low number three, and the greatest, if you said Michael Jordan, you'd be correct. Air Jordan sneakers have been such a hot brand that Nike pays Jordan only a hundred million a year and now with stories and strategies to help your kids take their first steps into great savings habits let's say hello to Paige Cornetta and I'm so happy we finally have her coming to the basement Paige Cornetta is here how are you I'm doing great Joe thank you so much for having me on today well I'm I'm very happy you could be here and what a surprise this project was for me because I've talked to lots of people about kids and money, but never talked to them about kids and money in this way, which, which makes sense to me because you're a West Michigan woman and West Michigan people, Paige, I don't know if you know this, are just the coolest people on earth. I would agree. Thank you. But I'm biased. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might be slightly biased too. Well, let me open this up asking you about two people who are going to play really large as characters in this story. The first character, I I am sad to say, um, was was the baby you were pregnant with during the pandemic. Yes, and I'm o- I'm only sad to say that because because your baby didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was also an inspiration as I was writing the book too. The whole idea of becoming a mom and the transition into motherhood. So. Even though he's not here, you know, the book is here and very inspirational because of him. Paige, you can see his spirit all over this project because this idea of contemplating the future and contemplating motherhood. And, and I think 
just for all of us, the idea of, of how are we going to teach this stuff, right? How are we going to live a better life, I think, is, is so powerful. So he looms large in this book, as does, is your, is, is your dad alive? Yes, he is. Okay. And your dad is obviously a huge character in this book. Now, your dad, your dad owned a family business. What type of a family business was it? So we still actually own this family business, which is incredible because we're fourth generation, so 90 plus years, and it is textiles. So we're a fabric distributor. Gotcha. Okay. So dad is in business. You have, you have three brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and the four of you are, (laughs) the the four of you are, uh, are, I don't know. Um, I want to say unwitting participants in your dad's teaching, but really it sounds like you absolutely love this time. Your dad creating these lessons about life. Yes. Well, there was no option with my father. The options looked like do what I want you to do or clean the toilets. So we we didn't get a lot of options with him, but, and we were the trainees. And I think he realized very quickly that family is so important and it was so important to instill his values and lessons and structures. And now it wasn't always fun, right? Always amazing. But my dad did a really good job at gamifying, making it very hands-on experiences. There's always props or food or toys to really just like add to the lessons. And it's funny because you make this point a couple times in the book that you can have a lesson plan like your dad has, or you cannot have a lesson plan, but either way, nobody's going to teach personal finance page. There is a curriculum going on, whether you have one or not. It's very true. Your children are going to learn your values. They're going to learn your strengths, whether you like it or not. So they're going to learn. They're absorbent. (laughs) So tell me about your dad's teaching style, because he had this, he had this incredible teaching style. Yes. So he is a super visual himself. He's all about hands-on. So giving to all of the senses and making it very short and sweet and intentional. So every Saturday we would bring our notebooks. We would have to do it. Like we would have to participate and it would be some sort of lesson from maybe a book or an article or something that he just thought of that we should know And we would write it down in our notebook, we would date it, and then we would have this conversation about it and maybe, you know, some sort of fun lesson with it. But for him, the consistency was the intentional structure. So every Saturday morning, we're having dad's class. Yeah. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, Paige, that this is important for people, whether they're parents or not, because the intentionality you can see that your dad has around carving out time for this thing that's important to him, right? You, you you mentioned the book that he's an incredibly busy dude. And this time was time that he had to create, like this didn't happen by accident. Your dad had to create this to make sure that his kids got the lessons that he wanted. Totally. I think for him, you know, obviously Saturday or the weekends was an easier time, but he was always like this from what I remember growing up. Like he just was an amazing discipline person for himself, for other people, for running a business, for other employees. And so it bled very nicely into our family of just the, you know, the structure 
and the intentionality. My father is a very intentional person. Everything he does has purpose and meaning behind it. And that also comes from being in a family business of learning underneath his grandfather and learning, oh, wait, my grandfather has already done this from something as simple like opening letters. He, he wrote a whole manual. This is my great grandfather of opening letters. And my dad was like, oh my gosh, if I just listen to him and like open letters the way it would have been so much more efficient. So he's like, I'm just going to follow this, these words of wisdom. Like, and so in his mind, he's like, well, I got all this generational knowledge, might as well pass it down to my kids. And I'm right. And I know what to do and open how to open letters effectively. (laughs) But that's interesting because you answered my question, which is, can this be taught? Right? Because your dad's intentional, but he obviously is learning it as he goes. And I'm thinking that this idea of putting the time on my calendar and making it structured so that I get this thing done that's important to me. Like, don't get me wrong. Don't put everything on your calendar because we end up putting crap on our calendar that doesn't belong there. But if you start with your high-end values and work down, it's so important, which I want to get to that because your dad starts off with something that where, where I frankly wouldn't have started. I have twins that are 27 and this is really cool. We had a family mantra that I created and we said it, but you guys, Paige, you took family mantra like to the whole, to the whole freaking next level. Let's talk about you guys would line up in a hallway. Tell me about what you do in the hallway when you were a kid. Yes. We would line up in the hallway. We would have four mantras. So it was, I can do it, do what's right, do your best and treat other people how they want to be treated Nice. And we would say this every evening. I mean, I feel like when I was three, we started this and we would, you know, put our hands up and, oh, we're superstars or, you know, we would yell it or we would whisper it or we would say it as a secret. Like he would all all, come up with all these fun ways to say these mantras. And then as we got older, added on the family laws, added on the family economy, added on you know, how we exercise. So my siblings and I, you'll laugh if you ask any of them, like, can you repeat what your dad said? All of us can do it by heart because we have said it 5,000 million times. (laughs) (laughs) Is the fact that he had you jumping around, like you were saying, and and you form like a star, like you're doing a jumping Mm -hmm. jack, which means we're a star. We can do anything, right? But I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) But did that help solidify it? I mean, did that really, was it the physical aspect of that? that made it so that I don't know how old you are now, but you recited this like you said it yesterday. Well, yes and no. I think that adding the physical movement in there when we were younger definitely helped, but it was like neato repeato. We were broken records. He would have us consistently say it and we would all say it together. I think it was the togetherness. And so me and my three siblings, it's like, we laugh about it now, but guess what? We can all say it like, Okay, ready? Like, here we go. Okay, we do the whole thing. <laughs> and just to make sure people know why the heck I'm even asking you this, what this has to do with anything, why you, why you start your book this way? Why do you start your book with this? Because this was the foundation for teaching us kids anything. This, for my father, it was like, I need to have groundwork. I need to have cement, right? What And so what is that? What are my core things and not just him, my mother too, right? That as us as parents, as a family, what are our core things? What are our values? What does it represent? And then everything else in life can add to that, whether it's how we spend our money, how we earn our money, you know, all these different things. So I started it with when I was the youngest and what they started with and how 
it has grown today gradually in my life being being in my 30s some people think that this sounds very uh, page cornetit ish meaning that it's your thing might not be everybody's thing but you make a point of saying this is really this teaching that your dad's doing is very grounded in in this um this idea that montessori schools use right the way montessori schools teach yes we're huge we all went to montessori schools my family's big believers in it and it's teach the child to teach themselves. So what's the environment the child needs? What are the tools the child needs to feel empowered and capable of learning on their own? And I think that's what every parent wants for their child is to give their child, you know, this self-empowerment that they believe in themselves, that they can do it and in their own way and that they can learn in their own way. And there's no such thing as failure. It's just, we're going to try it again and do it a different way this time. Speaking of that, that leads to the next level of this, which is another thing that initially, man, just your dad's teaching is so awesome. (laughs) Tell me what the repenting bench is. Oh, everyone loves this one. This is my husband's favorite one. <laughs> I don't think they do love the repenting bench. Uh, you, you, you wouldn't like being on the repenting bench. Oh, no, no, no. Not the, the kids don't love the repenting bench, but every parent loves the repenting bench. It is a hard surface, a hard structure, whether it's a bench or a fireplace mantle or whatever it is. And when your two kids are arguing and got in some sort of fight, you say, okay, both of you go to the repenting bench. And both of them have to sit there until both of them come up to whichever parent is kind of the judge in it. They get to explain their sides because it really taught us the responsibility of, I'm a part of this. Even though maybe my sister hit me on the head, maybe I provoked her. And then the negotiation on the repenting bench, my sister Brooke never liked to sit there. She always was like, I'm over it. Like, so she started to go, I'll give you candy if we get up and play. Like, and it's like, no, I'm stubborn. I'm going to sit here. We're going to wait <laughs> like you know, five minutes in a kid's mind feels like three hours. Yes. And, right. Right. And then the parent would either say, you know, listen to both sides when it takes sides and say, okay, so both of you need to, you know, apologize hug your sibling and promise to never do it again, whatever that behavior was. So it was really nice that neither of my parents, we never felt like they favored a kid. It was like, oh, stop yelling, Paige, stop yelling at your sister. You know, Brooke, stop yelling at your sister. It was like, no, no, you are both at play here and you are both responsible for whatever this behavior was. So it was a really great tool to teach us a lot of different things. Well, well, and you said in the book that, you know, it helped you with your negotiation skills because you figured out you could get more out of Brooke if you just sat there and broke her a little bit, which I don't know if that's an intended good lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, the art, art of negotiation, right? You know, like... <laughs> Hopefully Brooke learned to hang in there longer to deal with the, the shark that was Paige. I don't know. (laughs) It wasn't just me. My sister Claire was even worse. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. But I do like this because not only negotiation in your life, but also, you know, in circumstance, we all have so many bad circumstances when it comes to earning money, when it comes to employment. Sometimes you look at some of the unfairness that happens in the, in the area of employment or, even with when it comes to how much we're paid, right? Totally. We can't change the system, but we can change what we do. And this, this I think, is a big aha your dad's working on. Yes, 
Well, I didn't even connect that, but I love that thought. And it's very true. It's like, what can I do differently? Whether it's, you know, switching jobs, whether it's starting my own business, whether it's having open conversations, because at the the end of the day, that's all we can do, right? Is control ourselves. So how am I going to approach this differently? How am I going to be responsible for my actions and my words? And what sort of changes are, am I going to make in my life to better my life, to better improve my life, to better improve my family's life, right? When it's not just you. And that was so great about all of the lessons that my father did with us was the take charge. You're in charge of your own life and you're responsible for that. And you're responsible for your actions and your words. I mean, the repenting bench taught us that, right? You're at play here. You're you're, you're culprit, even though maybe you didn't do it. Doesn't matter. You're still on it with them. So yeah, and and I also want to be clear about your dad's role here too, because people might not. When you said the word judge, I think people think your dad's sitting down in the middle of this. He's he by you're using judge in the softest term possible. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's just it's they're the figure, the elder figure that you went to to explain your side. And so if one kid came up and the other one's still sitting on the bench, it's like, you can't come here until your sibling does. (laughs) Got to come together. (laughs) To me, at first, this sounds like easier parenting, but in some ways, having been through this, it's harder parenting because you're, you're believing in your kids that they'll figure it out. Like we interviewed Stephen M.R. Covey recently about trust and inspire. And he was talking about how easy it is, you know, to kind of dictate to your employees what to do. But instead, if you inspire them and give them a little rope and this little bit of stuff, to do, it's going to be so hard to lead that way, to watch them go ahead and just run into a wall and talk to them about it later. But it's so much more effective. And your dad's lesson kind of reminds me of that. Totally. I think, wow, you really hit like that is exactly the point that this is not easy. This is harder parenting. This is harder business style, right? This is harder leadership of a family as a business. But if you can inspire and you can take a different approach than just telling you everything I know, right? That doesn't mean that they're going to do it. They have, you have to have this self intrinsic power come out of them and they're going to run in the wall. They're going to set their hand on the hot plate, right? They're going, that's how we learn as humans. So it's hard to take a step back, right? And be the inspirational wisdom person. You know, I always think of an old grandmother sitting there observing (laughs) everything. (laughs) And it's like, gotta learn. Here we go. I've seen this before. (laughs) It is so funny when people are parents for the first time and they're worried about their kid doing anything wrong. And then you can tell when somebody has like their fourth kid, they're like, go ahead, let Jimmy stick his finger in the light socket. He'll he'll learn. Actually, it's not that bad, but you know what I mean? They'll survive. Yes. They will figure it out. And I think we figured that out a little bit as parents, but this is kind of the structure and just to back up for everybody again. So we, we lead off with values. What is our family value? What do we think about our values? And then second, how do we create this structure so that kids kind of learn by themselves and, and learn to negotiate by themselves and figure out what part they play And that comes before the things that we always talk about, Paige, which are things like an allowance, right? Yeah. And your allowance is really based in this thing of family traditions then. You guys have Mm -hmm. traditions, which I think kind of leads us into allowance, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so learning how we did it or why we did it 
it was like the third component of earn, save, spend our money. That was how we, my dad broke it down. So the earning was all about, we didn't get necessarily an allowance. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. So it was all about the family national bank. And so if I was seven, I got $7 every week. If Brooke was five, she got $5 every week. And that was the earn the money part, right? There was also a lot of opportunities for us to wash the cars or wash the dogs and earn extra money to put it into our bank. So that was the earn part. Then save, right? So earn money, save money. So we're putting it in the bank. We're writing it down on our ledger. We all have our own little bank, our own little bank box with our name on it. And it was accumulating. So it was really fun as a kid to be like, wow, look, I have all this money and I'm saving it. And look at that. And then my dad would add on 10% every quarter, which is a lot. And I'm like, can I invest my money now? That's a great return, you know, 10%. Ask him Paige if all our Stacking Benjamins family can come to the Cornetted <laughs> Bank, please. Can we invest? Can we put our, save our money with your bank too? Yeah, no. <laughs> I tell him that now and he, he laughs and he's like, well, I needed to make it big enough so that as a kid, you know, you can see oh, look at that. You know, you have $100. Oh, you get 10 more dots. So now you have $110. It was very visual and really cool to actually have the cash in your bank. And then the spend part. So earn, save, and spend. My parents gave us individual kids a lot of leeway of spending our money. Well, did we want to spend it on Lululemon pants or limited to jeans? That was that was our thing. You know, those were really expensive back in the day. Or did you want to save your money and maybe just get something a little less expensive? So they allowed us to have in a controlled environment, free reign of our spending so that we were able to learn, right? Able to stick our fingers in the, in the electrical socket yes. and spend money, right? And spend our money and be like, ooh, I don't, I, have, I bought this toy and now I don't really like it. It was only a week ago that I did that. Maybe I'm going to think about what I'm going to spend my money on next time and, and if I'm going to even spend my money too. How did this idea of doing chores work though? Did your dad have like, like, I have a friend who has like a job posting board in her kitchen. I think it's a great idea, job posting board. And then the kids could negotiate what the price was. There was no price. The kids could negotiate the price and where it was. I thought that was kind of neat. Did it work kind of like that? Tell me about this job deal. We did the exact same thing, but the, the trick what my dad did, it's so interesting you bring that up. I haven't talked about this yet. The trick what my dad did is, we could bid on the chores, but we could only bid lower than, than the sibling. Oh, so let's what? say, oh yeah, this is like serious negotiation tactics to learn as a child. So let's and say I would Brooke's- guess, by the way, not to cut you off, but you underbid too low one time. Like I would, I would imagine you learned very quickly when you screwed yourself. Yes, we did. And then we had to, you know, team up really. And I'd be like, hey, Brooke, which one do you want? You know, and then I'm not going to underbid you, right? Because I would, let's say she would say $20 to wash the car. And then I'd be like, okay, $18, I'll do it for $15, right? But then we're like, whoa, that's bad. Let's just like team up and like both get $20 to do what we want for the bidding. So my dad had a whole, you know, reverse psychology of negotiation tactics for us. I can imagine later on your dad creating a family court where he can take you two to court for collusion against him. 
Oh, I'm sure he loved it. I'm sure he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. No, that's great. Well, the power of teamwork, the, you know, I mean, collaboration in life and in business is so important. Um, I feel like the more I collaborate with other brands, the, the, the further our brand goes, the more that we learn to work with other people. Like that's so great. And, and this idea of not competing on price too, right? I mean, this is a huge business lesson. Oh my gosh, absolutely. In business, this is this is what happens naturally with supply and demand. Oh, someone's going to underbid you. Oh, you have a different company or you're selling the same sort of product. Someone's going to underbid you to get it. Well, okay, can you work together? Is there, you know, there's different strategies around that just to think about how are we going to do this and what are we going to be? Are we going to be a value? Or are we going to be the best price one in the arena? What does that look like? And so I think for both my sister and I, since we're both business owners, it's fun to talk about and fun to see, oh, what are you doing? And, you know, well, oh, this is how I do it. And what do you think about this? And did I leave money on the table? Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> the book is called My Dad's Class, An Intentional Structure for Teaching Kids About Money and Life. We talked a lot about structure and we talked a lot today just about the beginning of the book, really the foundation, what you do with it. I mean, you go then crazy. Once you have this foundation, there's so many different ways that parents can go. And really, I even think that if even if you're not a parent, just this idea of of the way people learn, I think, is so important. And um, and I think we're so we're so enamored, Paige, with getting to the point that we forget that often that point, that thing we're trying to reach really needs that strong foundation. Or otherwise it crumbles really quick. The books, the books available everywhere. Yes. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all online. Uh, my dad's class. <laughs> and I would be <laughs> reticent if I didn't ask you about what else is going on at Millennial Guru. Cause you work with lots of groups with people and really teach organizations and people how to think better. Absolutely. So I'm a strength finders coach. And what I do is do a lot of different workshops, a lot of team building, and I love to focus on yourself. So what are you good at? What are your God given gifts? What are your talents? How do you turn those into strengths? And how is that there a lot of misunderstanding within the workplace? Oh, well, I do it this way. Why don't you do it this way? Well, maybe they can do it differently, or maybe they think about it differently. And so really forming those gaps within the workplace. And then on top of this is with my financial books and my dad's class book is yourself and your wealth. I like to have the structure first <laughs> and the core, right? Understanding, you know, what you're good at, why you're good at it, and how you do it. And then you can do anything from that. So important. We'll link to the book and we'll link to Millennial Guru on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. Paige, thank you so much for spending time talking about foundation and your crazy ass dad. <laughs> Just, <laughs> so, so awesome. <laughs> thank you. Really appreciate it, Joe. Hey, this is Andy Hill from the Marriage, Kids and Money podcast. And when I'm not singing Disney karaoke songs with my kids at home, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Paige. Wow. Oh, gee. Wow. I have, I have to say that was one of my favorite interviews of the year. What a, what an amazing dad at the OG house. You, uh, you have your kids bid on jobs and underbid each other. Uh, no, but that's a great idea. We really don't have that much. We have them do dishes and trash and that sort of thing. And it's like pulling teeth every time to, uh, to help out with that. But, um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. We should start, uh, auctioning off, uh, like, wash the floors, 
clean the bathroom, that sort of thing. And the bench, the bench, dad's bench totally sounds like you. (laughs) Sounds like me. I don't (laughs) care who started it. I want to know how it's going to (laughs) end. Don't come to me with problems. Come with the solutions. Yes. Personal accountability, right? Yeah. Personal accountability. What can you do? Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. You know what? A delightful seltzer water is what I value most right now with just just hints of flavor. It's wonderful and probably very healthy too, I would imagine. And you can spend more time evaluating whether seltzer waters are healthy or not. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. OG is scoffing at the notion that they're healthy. It's water. There's nothing else in it. Carbonated water. Water and bubbles. I'm sure there's some sugar. No, there's zero sugar. There's absolutely zero sugar. Ah, okay. Unless they're able to lie. But if you look at any of the good ones, it's zero everything. Okay. The cool thing is they have made buying quality term life insurance very simple so you guys can spend more time fighting over seltzer water. Uh, Head to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now for your free quote. They're committed to offering a modern way to buy life insurance through an application that's slim and simple and online, and they give you an instant coverage decision, bam, affordable prices. And even though they've modernized it, they're still backed by a company, Mass Mutual, that's more than 160 years old. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Rachel. Say hi, Rachel. Hi, my name's Rachel, and I recently happened across your podcast and think you guys are very informative and super funny. I find myself laughing out loud every time I listen to one of your podcasts. I've recently become self-educated about investing due to a divorce a couple years ago. I've been obsessively reading books and listening to podcasts such as yours. And I hear the advice from a lot of financial advisors, podcasters, bloggers, and authors that one option is to keep things simple and invest in an index fund, which is what I've done, along with buying individual stocks. My question that no one seems to talk about is this, when do I sell? It's easy to buy and keep putting money into my account, but I feel frozen and don't know what to do about selling. Thank you. Rachel, thank you for the question and for the kind words. And OG, I'm with Rachel. You rarely hear people talk about sell discipline, right? What your sell discipline is. It's always, hey, put money in. Don't touch it and you'll be wealthy. Good advice. Yep. How do you sell? I don't think you ever would. That's the point. Why would you sell it? At some point you want to spend the money. You want to spend the money. Yeah. So you sell it when you need the money. I mean, it sounds really overly simplistic, but if you're buying an investment that is representative of the entire market, something akin to a index fund, then- what would you sell it for? To buy another index fund that has also the same stuff in it? If you have one of everything already, what are you trying to do when you sell and any other ter- any other reason other than you need the money? So you don't need to sell it ever if you're buying it all the time, except for when you actually need the cash because you already have it. The What you're talking about, Joe, about well, when do I sell it and that sort of thing is when it comes to the individual stock thing, which you shouldn't be doing anyway. So... If you're buying index funds, which means you have all of the stocks in all of the world all of the time, 
and you're saying, I don't need to be selective of ones that are good or bad. I'm just owning them all. So I get the exact market return. Then the only time you would want to sell it is when, uh, when you actually need the cash. So it is actually quite simple. Put it all in and then take out little bits when you need it, you know, 30 years from now. Let's talk about though, because Rachel's new to our show. Let's talk about, uh, times like now, OG, when, when we've been in a bit of a downturn, things looking very nice lately again, as the market has turned slightly north over the last couple of days, as we record this, what, uh, what do you do if the market's down and you need your cash? How do you avoid taking it out when it's down if you only sell it when you need it? Well, I would say what would if you're investing and the market's down, you have the wrong time frame. Because if you have the right time frame for your investments, the likelihood of actually having a, you know, losing dollars on that investment or is really low. If you need the money in the next three or four years, you shouldn't be investing it anyway. It needs to be in cash unless you're indifferent on time frame. Meaning that the money that you're investing now or you're taking now is still well up from the 10 years ago that you invested it. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Because, you know, let's say you're 40 years old and you need the money when you're 60. Well, if today you're 60, you say, well, the market's down. No, it's not. It's up you know, tenfold since you put it in 20 years ago. You know, it's just, it's down from yesterday or five days ago or six months ago, perhaps, but it's not down since you put the money in. You're looking at the wrong, you know, the wrong metric. So if you are experiencing the fact that your portfolio has declined in total and you're needing the money, that's more of a symptom of having the wrong investment for the wrong time frame than it is, you know, your fancy word, sell discipline. Just to put some numbers, uh, Rachel, on what OG is saying is that over a 10-year time frame, even with the market drop that we uh, had this spring and through this summer, 10 years, you still have an average annual return on ticker symbol SPY, the S&P 500 index. There are, by the way, cheaper ways to buy that index. I'm just doing this as a representative sample, Uh, 13.69%. Still, you're sitting on 13.69% average annual return if you bought it 10 years ago. So the real discipline, OG, is making sure you know when you're going to need the money. Yeah, I think the stat is in any 10-year period since 1926 or I guess 1936, uh, 95% of those periods are are positive, with the only one being the time ending 2008, I think. And even with the 2007-2008 ugliness, if we go back 15 years, which would be just at the precipice of that time, like we are maybe a month out from things really going south uh, back in 2007, you're sitting on uh, 9.5% average annual return. Yeah. So still looking good. Yeah. So as you get closer to retirement, you say, well, I might need this money in two years, then that money needs to be not invested. That money needs to be in something safer, right? And some people, what they'll do is they'll say, well, the next, you know, the next two years worth of savings, I'm just going to leave in something safe, cash, whatever, or I'm going to keep on investing this money because this money is for, you know, 30 years from now. And the money that I invested 30 years ago is the money that I'm going to use in two years from now. And so therefore, you know, it's going to be positive. 
Thanks for that question, Rachel. And you know what? For being brave and asking us a question, we are going to send you a Haven Lifeline Greatest Money Show on Earth shirt. And uh, you could wear that proudly because you called in with a question. To be like Rachel, go to stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail. By the way, if you want to see the rest of the Stacking Benjamins apparel line, our friend Brad Lark in Cincinnati makes some fantastic shirts, stackingbenjamins.com slash shirts. And you'll see all the goodness there at Brad's store. Do we have a Doug 2024 shirt yet, Roland? I thought we did. Didn't we do a Doug 2024 shirt? We, we never did one. I thought we did one. I don't think so. I mean, uh, thousands of fans are clamoring for one. We've got the Ben Franklin red, white, and blue I was wearing the other day that says stack. I don't see that one around very much and I love it. But yeah, huh? Yeah. Actually, that was Doug 2020, wasn't it? Right. It was. Seems like yesterday, but. Holy cow. Doug 2024. We definitely did. Yeah. We got to ramp up the campaign, Doug. I know. I mean, it kind of just feeds itself. I don't need to do much. There's such an upswell from my minions. (laughs) Of of course. I think it's a groundswell, right? Is that a groundswell? Hey, we've got got some exciting things happening in the basement. Uh, First of all, every day there are stackers like you chatting in our Facebook group, stackybedjamins.com slash basement is the URL to get you there, but it's our online community where stackers like you chat about uh, not only finance, but uh, some of the best, I think dad, some of the, the best dad jokes that we've ever seen. Uh, all happened there. Gertrude, our room mother, my mom's friend Gertrude, she has a show and tell every week. We talk about books that we're reading, all kinds of stuff in our Facebook group. And on Instagram, we do an Instagram live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern. I should say most Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Often I'll have a guest over there as well talking about the latest in fintech or some other uh, hot topic. This last week, We chatted more about recent guests, about inflation in the sandwich uh, survey. New CPI numbers came out for last month, so we talked about inflation, and we also chatted about Jen Principe and uh, updating your wardrobe. And it's a nice time where where you can chat with me about what's going on on the show. Thanks last to everybody who left a review of this show. Mom puts those on her refrigerator, and it also tells people exactly what they're getting into when they listen to the Stacking Benjamin Show. So thank you very much for everybody who's done that. If you're somebody that gives a review to a person that you've never met, you're my kind of person. So thank you. Thank you very, very much for helping us. And last but not least is recession fears ramp up. You might be feeling anxious to make some moves in your finances. However, what I want you to do instead is check out this free guide OG and his team put together that'll help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. Some great insights on what you should be doing and smart questions to ask yourself so you can make financial decisions your future self will thank you for. Head over to stackybenjamins.com slash guide to get that free guide from OG. So thanks for that, OG. All right, Doug, I think that puts a pin in it just about. But first, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, energy credits? Do some math and verify that the improvements you're making qualify. But maybe it's time for some upgrades. Second, take some advice from Paige Cornetit's dad. Teaching money? It takes time and energy, but can be rewarding for the whole family. But the big lesson? Be kind to your feet day. Yeah, I think whoever makes these holidays needs to just step up their game. 
Seriously, all this foot loving stuff is corny. Man, let's call a tow truck to come get this holiday. Tow, tow truck. <laughs> so bad. Hey, thanks to Paige Cornette for joining us today. You'll find her book, My Dad's Class, wherever books are sold. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Brooke Miller is our producer today and our amazing newsletter editor of the 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Where I do this, where to make some magic, ready to make the magic happen. <clears throat> Making my podcast. What a lovely way to say you love me. <laughs> oh my God. Making my podcast. <laughs> we still got to do the KTEL Records one. I got to find that script, Doug, and we got to get that done. That uh, Doug sings God, that the song. financial. How hits. did that song ever get airtime? I don't know. But you've heard, I've told you about that list with the worst songs of all time, and that was number three. That was number three. Oh, good. Good. That actually makes me feel better that other people hate it as much as I do. Oh, yeah. No, that song is number three. And everybody's like, people even told him not to make it, by the way. <laughs> they told him, do not record this song. And, and they're like, it is just so horrible. He's like, nope, I'm doing it. I like it. Uh, song number two on the list. Feelings. My... My name is Michael. I've got a nickel. I got a nickel. Shot. You know that song, don't you? I don't actually.
You know, my name is Michael. It's from like the oh. early seventies. Uh, hold on a second. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Let me see if I can pull it up so we can all moan together about it. I'm not following along. I don't tend to engage in commentary around things like this is the worst. It's like that. Uh, it's like that. Uh, was it Geico commercial or something with a bunch of the raccoons? They're like sitting on the garbage can, and one raccoon's like, "Oh, dude, you got to have this. It's terrible." He's like, no, why would I want to eat this? No, it tastes like dirty socks. You got to have it. It's like burnt hair. It's awesome. He's like, why would I want to eat that? No, that doesn't sound good at all. Yeah. It's like, let's listen to the worst music of all time. No, thank you. No, that's not it. I was jamming to that. That didn't sound too terrible. That sounded like an OG song. Bad female pop. That's him. The song is called Playground in My Mind. That's the number two bad song? Yes. My name is Michael. I've got a but pony it, or something. But it's called, it's called um, Playground in My Mind is the name of the song. Check this out. Radio hits in the 70s. When this old world gets me down And there's no love to be found I close my eyes and soon I find I'm in a playground in my mind where the children laugh and the Whoa, What just happened? Dude, dude wants Does he to just be go pl- to the playground in his mind with the children? Did you want to? Uh oh. Here comes, listen to this. Here's- Gonna buy oh, a yeah, bunch this of- is definitely a panel van song, right? <laughs> yeah, totally I is. would agree. <laughs> this is 100%. I've got a nickel who wants some candy. Yeah. Uh, the number one worst song of all time. And I totally effing agree, and so will you, Doug. We built this city. Yes. We built this city on rock and roll. Can I don't like this song? This is when Jefferson Airplane became Jefferson Starship and said, we don't give a shit about our legacy. We don't care about anything. Let's make some money. Hold on. Jefferson Airplane is Jefferson Starship. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. (laughs) And then they just became Starship after that. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Oh, here they are, Starship. You're right. This song is so bad. So bad. I don't see it. There, there it is. I'm looking at a different list, but that still shows up as the number one worst song. And it's a totally different <laughs> it's list. It's a different list. <laughs> so we have consensus. <laughs> number two is Achy Breaky Heart. Oh, yeah. And which I agree with. Number three, it's pretty bad, but I don't know if it, it warrants number three. And my list is Everybody Have Fun Tonight by Wang oh, Chung. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, when that it's song not first good. came out, when that song first came out, I did not hate it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't love it, but I didn't have it. I'm like, okay. But then I heard it in every grocery store I ever went into in America, like just oh. over and over and over and over you and over again. Cool grocery stores. I don't think I've heard <laughs> oh, yeah. that in a grocery Hip store. Grocery store. I did like their other song. What was their, their other song to live and die in LA? I love that song. I still yeah. like that song. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A couple of these others, I feel like they're only on here because maybe they got overplayed, but Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby, Huey Lewis in the news. I don't think that offends anybody. Huey Lewis can't piss anybody off. Especially when you hear about what's happened to him recently. Oh, yeah. 
for sure. But the Millie Vanilli thing, did you see the meme about Millie Vanilli seeing all the people lip syncing on TikTok now and they just look yeah, pissed off? I did. <laughs> like, nobody's getting the hate like they <laughs> like, did. What the hell? We got ruined for this. And now people are making millions. Um, number seven here is don't worry, be happy. That's just mm. more annoying. Mm. I don't know that it was awful. But number eight is so bad, it's amazing. Eddie Murphy, party all the time. I like that song. Like was to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. I'll, see, I like so, that song. So bad, it's amazing. It is so bad, and I've never hated it, not once. That song's bad in the same way, like, I want to rock down to Electric <laughs> oh, Avenue. Oh my God, that song's you know? incredible. Yes. Everybody loves that song. So annoying. So, I mean, how does my the list I'm looking at compare to yours? I mean, yours seems more 70s centric and mine's a little more 80s. Well, seeing there's a two-year difference in our ages, you can tell that we have, we have completely different lists. Yeah. Well, Stackers, this episode is over, but you know what? Your homework has just begun, and it's not about what you know. It's about what you do. And partnering with the right organizations is a huge part of your success. Well, let me tell you, becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Now, not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt, begin stackers with your debt strategy. Decide what the best terms are and conditions for the debt that you want to take, and then decide on the products. And with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing costs or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable as you work your way through life. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required, Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval.